every time I hear that intro, every time I hear that drum roll, I am triggered. Because when I hear it, I fully expect to hear Tony Chapman jump in and talk about the next show. And I expect that that's what you expect to hear. So you're wondering, who the hell is this? <laughs> and what's going on? Where's Tony? I'm Dave Trafford and happy to be part of this, uh, I guess, a whole year look back on Chatter That Matters. And the reason that that drum roll signature sound triggers me is because I spent a lot of time working on that when we launched the series, I guess, back in March or April of last year. And I was lucky enough to... Uh, to produce the show. So here's what we're doing. We're taking the opportunity here to look back at some of the extraordinary voices, lessons, and ideas that came out of this series over the last 12 months. So I'm going to ask Tony about this. And I know many of you like this because my sense is that people want to know what went into the show. They're really interested in the shows, but how did they come about and what were the learning moments? So Tony, welcome to your show. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. And you were more than just producing. You were instrumental, you and RBC, and uh, taking this uh, idea that was on the back of a napkin and turning it into uh, which has just been this labor of love for me since uh, February 2020. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, you, you and I talked about you doing a podcast, hey, I guess back in, was it 2019-ish, give or take? And, you know, this was kind of a fun thing to do. And I guess all hell seemed to break loose when COVID hit, where people realized that this was a great opportunity and a great medium to deep dive on stories. And, you know, what better story to be telling than on, you know, small business and the struggles that they were facing with COVID-19 and the real struggle where they were talking about their personal wealth, their personal health, their families, all kinds of things that were coming out of it. it they just weren't statistics. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was one of the, the casualties. I was up until, I guess, January. I was an incredibly successful conference speaker and host. And then when COVID started appearing on the horizon and then overnight, we sort of headed into this lockdown. I remember that I think it was 15, if not 18 gigs got canceled. And I could take the financial hit, Dave. I'd, I'd had a good career. I'd been a good saver all my life. But I started thinking about all the casualties that announcement produced, you know, the hundreds of thousands of small business owners across Canada, their employees, their families, and could they survive an economic shutdown? And even then it was just supposed to be a couple of weeks, but to shut your doors for two weeks. So I started thinking about that podcast that we had been playing with and saying, what if we could repurpose it instead of just talking about chatter that matters as sort of an ambiguous topic of anything that matters narrow it down to small business matters because I knew that small business and the small business owners are the heart of the Canadian economy. And it would be in everybody's interest to keep them beating strong. Well, there's no doubt. And, and I think to some degree, you saw government step in very quickly and they've made efforts to make sure that employees were taken care of with whatever um, safety net that they could offer there. But in many ways, small business was left behind uh, for a long period of time, whether it was restaurants or small retailers, and they were kind of left uh, on their own. So it was interesting to see where RBC was able to recognize that there's private sector and sort of stepped up and looked at this and said, OK, we, we need to support this kind of program. Uh, you know, I was so impressed by, first of all, how quickly a big organization like that made this decision. But the way I framed it, and you know, this is a great lesson if you're pitching an idea is try to put it into a really tight soundbite. And I said, you know, if we could personalize the stories of small business owners, 
then Canada would take their challenges personally. And then if we could add to that by bringing in some of the top thinkers, people that would normally charge you tens of thousands of dollars and say, hey, contribute whatever's in your knapsack to help these small business owners get to where they need, want, and deserve to go, this would be a show that would be of immense value, not just to the small business owner, but again, that whole economy that depends on it. And RBC said yes almost immediately. And not only did they say yes, and this is what I, I, I think it's important to, to state up front. Their only ask was, we love what you're doing. Make this show about the small business owners and not about us, even though we're writing you a sponsorship check. And more importantly, to help you find an audience, we're going to also put some money aside and advertise it so that people know that this content exists. And for that, I will be internally grateful uh, to RBC because all of this is possible because they, they made that decision and they also had the integrity to say, this isn't about us. This is not the time to be talking about banking. This is a time to be talking about people and their lives and livelihood. Um, so it became pretty clear early on when we launched that you were looking at people who were, you know, right in the moment. They were worrying about not what was going to happen a month from now, uh, a week from now. It might have been at the end of the day what their business was going to look like. And in fact, you know, came across a couple of people who were launching businesses in the middle of COVID. They didn't see COVID coming. They were just on the path to launch uh, a, a new business. And so it was It was kind of, uh, I think it was really important that you launched the series with, uh, with Tracy Shepard. You know, absolutely. I mean, stories are so wonderful to share, authentic and true. But what a story. I mean, this is a person who had an incredible career, always dreamed of being involved in the health and wellness space, came up with this idea of meditation works. She would bring these rock star experiences to companies to have meditation clinics inside of this sort of tricked out Airbus. And she's about to turn on the keys. And the last thing anybody's going to do is get in that Airbus. I truly wanted to be positively disruptive. <laughs> I looked back on what I'd been a part of most of my career, and it was rock star, sometimes aspirational experiences. Matthew McConaughey. I'm in my car. I'm listening to rock and roll. Action. And there's the chick. And Lenny Kravitz. They both own an Airstream. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool experience. And it was, you know, the whole idea that she was going to do this and travel to various locations. And she had some corporate sponsors on board. She's ready to rock and roll, as she said. She had MLSE offering their Jurassic Park in, at, in the Raptors playoffs. I mean, you can't find a better stage to shine on. So you can imagine the roller coaster ride from being at the top of your game to crashing down because of that ugly thing called COVID. There's a phrase in meditation and mindfulness called the monkey brain or the monkey mind. It's about restlessness and unease and ricocheting of thoughts and emotions. I can honestly say I felt like the entire jungle showed up in my head. What a great image. You know, just this complete chaos where and she is at the, the center of it wondering now whether or not she should have gone forward but of course she does and i managed to talk to her on the radio show a couple of weeks ago and it was her anniversary two days earlier and she spelled it all out she pivoted she went online she found a product that that not only appealed to uh, you know some larger corporations but that people individuals could get involved in and she has an extraordinary number of clients right now unfortunately the airstream still 
parked in Lindsay, but now she knows it's there and she's got a base for it. So good on her for, boy, uh, you know, that kind of success is just indicative of the spirit that you're going to see and need with the entrepreneurs in this country moving forward. The next couple of years, even though we get past vaccines, not going to be easy. Uh, Dave, the entrepreneurs that get through COVID are going to be among the best entrepreneurs Canada's ever witnessed. And Tracy Shepard's a great example. She didn't quit. She reinvented, reimagined, and continued to drive her business forward, even though that Airstream's parked. Hi, it's Tony Chapman, host of Chatter That Matters, presented by RBC. RBC provides small business owners with resources that go beyond banking. Resources that help them attract new customers, build strong employee teams, and manage their money. To get access to these services, go to rbc.com slash beyondbanking. Small businesses matter to RBC. So we got a couple of minutes here and I want to kind of get into some of the characters that you talk to. And I know what we would do here is you'd bring in the entrepreneur and then get them some expert advice. Uh, one that stood out for me was Sheena Russell. What I love about Sheena is not only her love for local, and that includes the farmer markets where she started her business, but also working with disadvantaged people. And that's combination of social justice and organics and everything fusing together is making her an absolute star in the grocery store shelves. We built up a really strong following here on the East Coast in those early days. So from the farmer's market into independent health food stores, cafes, that bridge into, into mass grocery happened in 2016 for us when we started selling our real food bars into Sobeys Atlantic. And, you know, that whole idea of being local was good, but I, I know you, you uh, caught the ear of Daryl Jones at Save on Foods, and uh, he kind of pushed it out there for her a little bit. I've worked with Daryl in many conferences. He's one of the most respected retailers in Canada. And again, another example of somebody making time for small business. And his advice is so compelling. The most important thing that you can do is get that taste profile, get that into people's mouths, and then get the word of mouth out at how great it tastes. And, you know, she has done that since then. She's begun to kind of branch out across the country and it's uh, it has all been good. Uh, before we go, I know, uh, you know, Lisa Taylor was a key star in your lineup. Lisa's just so smart and she's really understanding the next three or four moves on the chessboard in terms of the future of work culture. Creates the challenge factory in 2012, but COVID hits. She gets thrown back to her startup days. The pressure of the day-to-day, what's going to happen next month? Do I have the funds? Are we at risk? Can I pay my people? All of those types of up in the middle of the night type of issues fall a little bit behind you into your past. And I do have to admit in the last couple of weeks, that actually has been something that has returned back again. And then I bring in Kelly Peters, who's the founder of BE Works and Wow, does she bring some incredible insight to the table in terms of scaling a consultancy. She's got a very strong foundation and she's established the purpose and linked her passion with purpose. But the next thing that organizations need from my experience is understanding what kind of results they can expect. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we are going to, I think, introduce you to the the greatest character that showed up in this last year on Chatter That Matters. And I know you had plenty, but this is an outstanding character, an outstanding Canadian. That's on the way, this special edition of Chatter That Matters.
Welcome back to this special edition of Chatter That Matters. I'm Dave Trafford, uh, oddly in the host seat this week, but the whole opportunity here is to kind of take a look back at the last year of this series that Tony Chapman has done. And Tony is uh, is now in the interviewee uh, seat. And, you know, we left off before the last break there, Tony, talking about uh, one of the characters, and you have had many, you have real resilient characters, uh, strong characters, innovative thinkers. But the one that I think really struck a chord with, with your audience was Joe O'Brien in Newfoundland Labrador. Oh, absolutely. I remember one person writing in saying, I just want to give him a hug. I was born in a little fishing village just south of St. John's, 30 miles to the south. And I was from a fishing family. And that meant we went on the ocean every day to make our living. And we saw that uh, as young people and our parents were telling us that the future didn't look bright in the fishery and that we probably should change our way of life. Fishing was all they knew in Newfoundland. Uh, Newfoundland government shut down cod fishing. His uncle said, you're going to have to find something to do. And Joe and his brother took one of the fishing boats and started doing tours to help uh, the biologists go out and look at the puffin colonies. And before you know it, he started a whaleboat company. And next thing you know, he had four boats and two gift shops and a partridge and a pear tree. And the guy is just is the most humble, honest and everything that exemplifies the east coast in terms of hospitality this is my boat but this is also your home yeah and it, it, he extends that to his his employees the the young folks that come in as interns and some are students and he was always optimistic even you know when he was looking at the effects of covid on his business even looking forward he sounded optimistic well our hopes are that uh Eventually, people will want to come back and, and see Newfoundland and Labrador, and uh, that will be op- still open for business. So we have to speak to our financial people on how to, how to plan past COVID-19 and finance our way into 2021 and maybe 2022 before we start to see a change. He's trying to sound optimistic, but he, I think you know his view of it was, boy, um, things are a little bleak. It's a great episode for people to listen to if you really want to understand values and family business because he also talks about how hard it is for his employees. He said some kids, you know, he came, the first thing they did was, you know, they took tickets. And then if they showed initiative, and before you know it, I let him pilot the boat. And it was all about empowering and believing in youth. And I think that in many ways what he's doing in Newfoundland, I think he hopes uh, the entire province does, which is making sure we celebrate the youth of Newfoundland and give them that kind of purpose so they can stay and continue to grow that uh, great province. So what kind of advice came to the table? Well, you know, Alex Blum came in from Silver Lining Marketing, and she really talked about uh, after COVID, and it's funny enough that it's a year later and we're still talking about after COVID, how much to be pent up demand and why domestic travel would matter because with it was also a sense of safety and security. So she was way ahead of her time. Joe has a great opportunity to increase and up his game in terms of what he offers on his restaurant menus, like signature cocktails. Uh, He has an opportunity to increase his collectibles in the gift shop and to create some great themed tours which normally very, very high price bucket list theme tours. You know, I was talking to somebody in the travel business last week and they were saying that the business travel is going to be way down. To Alex's point, I think once we can all get out of our bubbles, Tony, that will be that own personal vacation travel, whether it's 
in the country or out of the country is really going to be our outlet. So here's hoping that Alex is right and that, uh, you know, Joe can take advantage of it. Without question. Every time I heard your experts talk, it seemed to me they were forcing your entrepreneurial guests to answer the question, what business are you in? And so often it's, you know, I sell shoes. Well, no, you're not in the shoe sales. You're, you're doing something else. And uh, Paul Hembro was a pretty good example of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's another lesson in life. It's not what you do. It's why you matter. And the, the great entrepreneurs, the great business leaders, the great thinkers of the world realize that they play the role of Yoda. They're there to help others get to where they want to go. They're never the hero of the story. And Paul bought this sort of company that provided TV sets for patients so they could you know, escape the boredom of being in a hospital. But David Kincaid comes in, who's one of the leading strategists in Canada, and absolutely nails it by saying, that's not what you do. Here's why you matter. Have him step back and figure out how to articulate the benefit the benefit of the technology, not the capabilities of the technology. And I do believe Paul has a great opportunity to change the frame of reference from being, well, we got televisions in hospital rooms to actually being this higher order, emotional and rational benefit discussion around connectivity. You know, it's funny that that would resonate with almost everything that many of the, uh, the entrepreneurs were facing that was maintaining that connectivity, not only with the lifeline of their business, but with their own clientele, with their employees. So it, there was a lot of learning that was going on based on the advice you were getting from these, uh, these experts. When you ladder beyond profit or your product to a higher purpose, it, it is something that's magnetic, that attracts customers, it attracts investors and attracts employees. So we've got probably got time here before we take the break to, I think, introduce you to one of the most compelling characters. I mean, Joe O'Brien was a character and a lovable guy, but we meet Ernesto Gomez, who is a go-getter. I mean, this guy just loves to cook. He has great stories about connections with the family. His grandmother and his mom teach him how to, you know, have these classic dishes, and he goes hunting with his dad to get, you know, all the stuff that kind of goes into his story. And uh, he unexpectedly, I think, opens up a, a, a restaurant in Vancouver, and he's all set to, uh, to expand. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Ernesto is one of the many stories that we covered last season about how important immigration is to Canada. This is a guy that found his way to Vancouver from Mexico, ends up investing in a business, they're expanding it. He goes over to Europe, flush with some cash. On the way back, he actually gets covid and it hits him so hard. And this is a healthy guy, a marathoner, hiker, yoga. It hits him so hard. He's, he says, I'm literally on my deathbed for 10 days fighting for every breath. But while he's there fighting for every breath, he's also fighting to keep his restaurants alive and his employees working. And to me, that is the spirit of true entrepreneurship. The same night I came back from London, I started getting a fever and coughing. And then the next morning I woke up with extreme body pain. I started losing my energy. I couldn't even hold a conversation because I would lose my breath. Flat on his back for 12 days, fighting for every breath, Ernesto also fights for his restaurants and his employees' jobs. They take the money they would have spent on their expansion to build their own bespoke food delivery service. Whoa, man, 30%. That's simply not sustainable. And that was going to be our bread and butter. 
So we said, okay, listen, first and foremost, we need to do our own delivery platform. We created our meal kits. We basically did our hits and we made a vacuum pack versions of them and everything really nicely packed. And the response was incredible. Well, the response was incredible, but I think the outcome was what was more incredible because he began to look at bringing back some of his employees. You know, they were driving their cars or they were riding their bikes to make deliveries. And he was he was out Ubering Uber in many ways, making sure that he was getting the full benefit of a clientele that was really willing to support him and do so online. And, and circulating that cash within his own community and his own employees. And that's, again... Uh, an entrepreneur that says what matters most to me in his case was those employees jobs. His case was, you know, keeping his customers happy. And, you know, he's just another example of why anybody that's feeling down, feeling like they're running in cement, feeling like they're getting overpowered by COVID. Just listen to a couple of those episodes because they're just about people that chose to make things happen versus watch and wonder what happened. Yeah. uh, Given the state of the restaurant industry, here's hoping that uh, more of them were able to take up the, a gauntlet as did uh, as did Ernesto and you know, back in something that resembles normal and a stable business for themselves. I'm Dave Trafford. You're listening to a special edition of Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman. Coming up, we're going to highlight some of the entrepreneurs and what they brought to the table and the lessons learned coming up right here on Chatter That Matters. Welcome back to Chatter That Matters. It's a special edition. We're looking back a year of uh, what this program has focused on and produced, and I suspect has kind of changed the perspective of a lot of people. Dave Trafford here with you. Uh, I've had the opportunity to sort of, you know, jump in and produce uh, much of what uh, was went on a year or so ago. And we, uh, Tony Chapman is in the interviewee chair. You know, one of the things that strikes me out of the 18 shows we produced between, I guess, April and September, 12 of the entrepreneurs were women. It wasn't on purpose. These are just great stories of incredible, uh, clever, uh, driven uh, women that that just, again, found a way to grow their business, pivot, change, do whatever it takes uh, to keep the dream alive. And in each case, you know, there was one of those things where we could kind of label it and it, where it became, okay, here was the lesson learned. And, and the one we learned from Sherry Lynn at Codezilla was uh, uh, test, don't guess. Sherry's such a brilliant entrepreneur. And I mean, her business was all about teaching kids how to code, but the camps, you know, you come into a room and you, you learn how to program a robot. It was very hands-on and tactile. And you could imagine parents going off and having a cup of coffee while their kids are being entertained. And that was all taken away. So she found a way through a combination of testing and refining to put the model online. And what happened, interesting enough, she learned that her customer base was no longer within driving distance. It was within arm's reach of desire. In fact, it was all over the world. If Google can't find you, you don't exist. And, you know, you know that theoretically, but it's so true. So the world is our oyster. On the flip side, the competition is just exponential as well. One of the other things in the following episode uh, last uh, summer was we got to meet uh, Kathy Chen from Redwood Classics. Great story. But uh, she really brought home the idea that business for her was a living organism. 
Yeah, and, you know, interesting enough, she was. She said, I used to follow my parents into the factory because they couldn't afford a babysitter. And one day my dad's handing me the keys. And I'm thinking of it as a business until I look around at what she called her employees, these people, the makers. And she said, this isn't about just the factory keeping going. This is about people's lives and livelihoods and believing in me. And that became my destiny. And at that point, she said, I went from just being uh, uh, feeling like I was an imposter to feeling like I had my life's cause. It dawned on me being my dad's business partner meant that we can give back to our makers a number of our makers have been with us at that point for 10, 15, 20 years. And the interesting thing, you know, so many thought leaders, I mean, I could wish we could, ha- you know, play them all, the Arlene Dickinsons and Joe Mimrans and Joe Jackmans. And, but one of those that really struck home was Jeannie Becker. She didn't just come in with her advice as one of the leading fashion authorities in the world. She had a parallel story, very similar to Kathy in terms of growing up, the daughter of an immigrant family, barely scratching out a survival and the lessons she learned from her parents that have carried her to this day. Absolutely. My parents immigrated uh, here in 1948 and my dad um, started a small little slipper factory in the basement of our downtown Toronto home in 1952. I totally can relate to everything that Kathy is passionate about, to everything that must frustrate Kathy about the business, because it's such a tough business. Kathy is behind a product that is so classy in my mind, because it's made in this country, it's made with love, it's got so much going for it. What I love about that is that to have that sort of personalized story, really contextualized Kathy Chen's story. One thing that came to mind though, was your strategic advantage is being nimble, is being able to recognize what it is you do and not kind of box it into a, you know, a a very defined area. Yeah. So Jennifer Menard, who's now Jennifer Menard Chen, who joins me later on in the national radio show, because her own personal story is one of hardship coming, but finds her way back, starts realizing she's an entrepreneur and she's providing staffing for events and her business is just exploding she's doing events in canada the united states she's starting to look at the caribbean and then COVID hits and every event is canceled you have two choices you could just fold in the towel because your customers have gone or in her case she realized well if i'm staffing events what else can i staff and almost overnight she shifts the focus of the company from areas that make you smile to staffing healthcare. And because of her ability to see opportunity and to seize it, that business is still going strong today. We pivoted very quickly to staffing essential services. Uh, luckily, our experience and, and business model allows us to, to staff industry, any industry we want. We were all talking about making masks. Here she is providing staff for healthcare services and frontline workers. And I can't illustrate that lesson more. Don't get wed to your idea. Don't think you have the clever, the most clever mousetrap. Always follow where your customer's going, what journey they're on, what are the hardships they're facing, what are their pain points, what are the things that matter most to them. And if you can help them get there, even if it's just a little nudge, you have relevancy, you have value, you belong. So if the world changes, you have to change with it. Hi, it's Tony Chapman, host of Chatter That Matters, presented by RBC. Small business owners are the heart of our economy, and it's our collective interest to keep them beating strong. 
Small Business Matters to RBC and a big shout out for their Small Business Navigator portal that points the way to practical resources, money-saving offers, and financial advice. Find out more at rbc.com slash navigator. So I can understand, you know, when you're bringing in people who are marketing experts and social media experts and all the business acumen that they had at the table, that was important for context and perspective and how they managed with the COVID-19. But you actually identified the key players, key experts and brains at the at RBC. What was what went into that? Well, you know, the obvious thing is because they're a bank, they understand the bottom line. But what I saw with RBC is this was a this is Canada's leading bank. It touched almost every corner of our economy, millions of lives, millions of livelihoods. So I knew there'd be a lot of depth of thinking. And so I wanted to use them almost as my context. And so I started asking them, would, could they provide someone that knew something about this? And I was just absolutely overwhelmed. For example, Carolyn Paxton. Carolyn Paxton comes in and she helps RBC with their social media strategy. And I invited her in to give her point of view and she puts on a masterclass in terms of how social media works in terms of helping small business build their brand. And I know uh, Lori Darlington was a, well, actually, she was a repeat performer yeah. on the show, right? I would have had Lori on every episode. You know, here's a great example. Lori Darlington, she runs the strategy for small business. She doesn't show up with her balance sheet. She finds the key insight to the business. In this case, it's uh, Kathy and Redwood Classics is all talking about take advantage of made in Canada quality, speed to market and make that your reason for being. I think that made in Canada, I really do think that is a differentiator for, for Kathy and the company. And it is, I believe, a more important consideration that shoppers are thinking more about these days. I think they've done a wonderful job. I mean, you look at their website and just the, the stories that come through and the, the feelings that you get in, in meet, the, meet the Makers and whatnot, it really gives you a, a more personal understanding as to how they make such a positive impact and what and how they do it. I think an important part about the, the Made in Canada and the real differentiator for Redwood Classics is that promise of a very high quality product. And I think they've done a great job of that. And what I loved about that is, you know, to your point, as before we got into the clip, she, she doesn't sound like she's selling anything. She actually sounds like she's excited about Kathy's business. She's a champion for her in terms of offering the advice. And if for no other reason, then she's celebrating her success. If you listen to the entire series, a consistent theme when RBC shows up is their empathy. They care about these businesses. They want these owners to succeed. They always talk to them, refer to them as first name. Oh, that's Kathy or Kathy's family made in Canada. You know, it's that it's when you talk about your brand personality, well, they're really bringing the, the person out of RBC. And, that, and that's something I, I was grateful for because they're busy people. And when COVID hit, everybody was scrambling, including the banks. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Dave Trafford with Tony Chapman on this special edition of Chatter That Matters. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up just with the latest evolution of the program and where it's gone and some of the extraordinary brains and minds that are going to we Tony turns to to see how they are looking at coping with COVID-19 now and in the aftermath.
Welcome back to this special edition of Chatter That Matters. Dave Trafford here uh, in, in the unusual spot of the host's chair, but uh, taking the opportunity to walk Tony Chapman through the past year and uh, where he has been able to sit down and talk to and talk about and learn from, quite frankly, some pretty extraordinary folks in terms of how they have managed to deal with COVID-19. And it's interesting to me, Tony, I think the show sort of took a turn away from COVID being right in your face back in September, October, you began to look more towards sort of this more of an inspirational part of the story at a higher level. You know, RBC and I sat down and we said, we've really, we're really proud of the small business matters, but can we take this idea of bringing positivity? And, and the idea was, what if we just told stories of ordinary people who did extraordinary things and their life lessons and those life lessons could inspire us to do more and be more. Sometimes there are people you don't know. Other times there's celebrities like Brian Baumler or world-class golfers like Brooke Henderson. It, it, it wasn't so much what podium they saw. It was really what they were doing with their life. Well, many of them sort of fell into various kinds of categories. And, and you and I have said this before and we've talked about this, what we have learned. And if nothing else, we've all kind of come back to understand or better understand or better articulate what our values are. You know, Dave, there were some that just radiated heart. You know, the Rocco Rossi, Sulman Ahmad, Dimple Murkaji. I mean, Dimple, for example, single mom, she's raising two boys. She talks about feeling a lot of self-doubt, feeling like an imposter. But then she realizes that inside her is the power to heal. And what she does with her life and is doing with her life, those are incredible lessons that we can all live by. I believe that self-care, having a really rich self-care practice and strong connections add and contribute to wellness and health. And health is a, one of my top values because without health, as you know from our year that we've had, that nothing else is possible. It's such an incredible episode and, and her word is command. And I say, what, was it, what word matters most to you? And she says, I want to be in command of my life. And I think that's something that everybody, especially nowadays that we're standing on shifting sand and we're not quite certain what's going to happen in the future, to have the tools to take command, I think is incredibly important. The next group I would say are these against all odds, you know, the W. Mitchell. I mean, an incredible story and his is, it's not what happens to you, what you do about it fact that he keeps pushing forward even though he's in one accident badly burned five years later in a plane crash and becomes a paraplegic or rick hansen one of the finest canadian athletes we've ever produced as a teenager he's, he's looking at the olympic podium as his future a truck crash he becomes paralyzed and instead of wallowing in self-pity becomes a world-class paralympic athlete and then wheelchairs around the world on behalf of people that need much needed money for spinal uh, research there's been many times in my life I've failed and, uh, and it's not worked out, but that's part of the process. It's okay. And it, it can be good. It can be better on the other side. That's a huge lesson. I, I you know, if, if, in terms of what he went through, that redefines resilience, redefines courage. Go to the episode when he's waking up in the hospital, realizing he'll never use his legs again. And this, remember, this was a kid that was aspiring to get on an Olympic stage. That's how good he was athletically. And sometimes it's these tragedies, Dave, that, that 
set these people onto this path of doing extraordinary things because how they value life, how they appreciate things that we take for granted really become one of the most powerful, uh, it's their North star as they move forward. Well, we always see them when they're in the headlines, but it's a guy like Chris Hadfield that tells you, yeah, I wasn't always an astronaut. I mean, he's five years old. He's looking up at the stars like every other kid and going, yeah, I'd like to go in outer space. And he, turns his life and says, that is what I'm going to do. And if you, again, the podcast, he learns how to deep sea dive so he can feel like what it's like to work in a gravity free space. He learns how to fly planes. It's just, he puts everything towards becoming. And as we know, uh, the second most famous astronaut on the planet next to Neil Armstrong, because not only does he become an incredible astronaut, he also brings music into space. Something I know that you would love, Dave. I kind of decided, Hey, anything that is a verb, maybe I could learn to do, you know, uh, dive, fly, sing, dance, juggle, whatever it is, you know, Hey, those are just verbs. And, and I could be a person who could do those things. And so, yeah, I, I learned to fly before I learned to learn to drive a car. And as cute as that story is, there are millions of people who are going to do exactly what he just did because you're going to have to be chasing the verb. And his advice when he talks about how he's dealing with COVID, he said, this is an opportunity. I wasn't flying all over the world doing speeches. I had the time to think and to do other things. He doesn't squander time. He doesn't see life as a dress rehearsal. An incredibly inspirational podcast and with some, uh, some just great music with him singing Space Oddity, a story about me, David Bowie. Uh, you know, there's a great clip in there. David Bowie tweets out, hello, Space Boy. So it's just, it's just, it's just real human beings. Yeah. They're authentic. They're alive. They're just fantastic. Well, you know, you already mentioned Brian Baumler and, and Brooke Henderson in terms of, you know, these are celebrities who have had to face some real challenges and, you know, in new environments. But I was really struck by the story that uh, you pulled out of uh, Harry Connick Jr. I mean, it's so easy to see Harry Connick Jr. Oh, he's a TV star, Broadway movies. I love his music. But listening to him growing up, you know, he's at age three, he's, he's performing for his family. His, his dad's a singer. By age nine, he's playing with the local orchestra. Uh, and then he decides to move to New York and he realizes how important mentors are. And if you're not into the jazz world, you don't realize that his mentors are some of the most influential people in that musical genre. My teacher, Ellis Marsalis, uh, had two sons that had moved to New York and become very successful, Wynton Marsalis and Branford Marsalis. And they were like big brothers to me. So I wanted to do what they were doing. I figured, well, if they can go to New York and make a career playing jazz music, that's what I want to do too. And again, just do it. Be the verb. You know, I, that's sort of a constant among the, the these guests where you have focused on the positivity that there, don't start with can't. So this might suggest that things are wrapping up considering we're doing a retrospective here, but that's not the case. Not at all. I mean, RBC and I, we're just working so well together. We're in a groove. Uh, we've decided to take the primetime radio show and extend it throughout the year. So it's, uh, it's Fridays on this network at noon. Uh, we've got some incredible guests uh, coming up. We're expanding in beyond Canada now, uh, like we did with Harry Connick Jr. And we're going to continue to find stories of these ordinary people that do extraordinary things. But more importantly, 
their life lessons, the things that we can take away, talk about at dinner. And I encourage you, if you're going to listen, share these with your kids, let them listen, let them, you know, they're, they're locked out of schools. They're locked out of dreaming. They're not sitting with their friends by the lake, the way they used to and just imagining the future. They're not getting together and jamming as a band. So get them to listen and realize this is going to go away. COVID we're going to get back to some form of normality. And it's the people that dream and do and believe and, and, and are excited and energized are the ones that are going to make things happen. And I think that's the greatest gift you can give, uh, especially if you've been gifted with uh, having a life in Canada. Well, thanks for uh, getting the band back together. I've enjoyed our uh, reunion tour. <laughs> David, uh, you know what? I love being on your show and I love working with you. And if you weren't so busy with all the other podcasts, uh, I might convince you to do uh, some more work together again. Well, I, I would make time on my calendar anytime for you. So uh, thanks for doing Perfect. it with me this week. This'll do it. I'm Dave Trafford. He's Tony Chapman. He is the host, the producer of Chatter That Matters. And uh, there's more to come, folks. So thanks for listening and keep listening.